0: Krista, for that ministry and music. This morning we're going to have the joy of installing Daryl Martin as a deacon in our church. The diaconate is a very important function and ministry within the life of of any church. The word uh, deacon is a transliteration of the Greek word diakone, and it uh, simply means a servant, a servant, a servant of the congregation. This morning, in preparation for the installation service, I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, if you're not there already. Now, in this passage, the word deacon does not actually occur, but it is generally agreed that this is really the establishment of the first deacons in the life of the church. So this becomes a foundational passage, which I think is very important. And uh, we're going to look at four aspects then of the establishment of of deacons in Acts chapter 6, and that is the reason for their establishment, then the requirements, then the response, and then lastly the results. So looking at the reason for the establishment of deacons, and then their requirement, then the response, and then lastly the results. As we look at the reason for the establishment of the diaconate, there's a historical setting that becomes very important we find that in this passage there were actually a number of factors that led to ultimately setting these men apart. The first factor that led to the establishment of the deacons was that the church was growing. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, the larger a church becomes, the more organization is needed. Not only more organization, but... More people. And with more people, it means more needs. And with more people, it means more opportunity to serve. And so here was the church, and it was growing. The second factor that led to the establishment of the deacons was that some people in the church were going unnoticed. Verse 1. Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. And here's the reason. Because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. It would appear that on a daily basis, the early church was providing meals for the widows. But some of those widows were being overlooked. Their needs were being met. For some reason, they were not... Receiving the meals. And so, as a result, the issue became a bit divisive. Notice in verse 1 a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. That's rather striking. The word complaint there is actually the same word that's used in the Septuagint which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. For the response that the children of Israel often had to Moses and to God when they murmured. Murmured. And this is the same word. They they were murmuring against, it says, the uh, Hebrews, uh, Hebraic Jews. Verse 1. So, they took this as a personal offense. And they saw it as a real slight. You know, there are difficulties that come in ministering to more and more people. And so one can readily see how as the church was increasing in number, that it would be very possible for someone to be overlooked. But in that being overlooked, they they took it as a... Personal attack. You see, because these Jews are divided into two groups. If you notice in verse um, 1, uh, they are the Hellenistic Jews and the native Hebrews. The difference between a Hellenistic Jew and a, a Hebrew was one of language. Hellenistic, uh, we think of Greek. And they were Greek-speaking Jews, And then the Hebrews were the Hebrew-speaking Jews in the New Testament era. And the Hebrew Jews had a tendency to look down their nose at the Greek Jews. They were not as orthodox. And many times that is true. Uh, many times they were not as committed to the scriptures, for example, uh, that uh, the Hebrew uh, Jews were. But now these are two groups of people that are saved. They're they're now Christians. They have a a Jewish background, but they are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they've come together, but even in a church setting, sociological issues still can arise. And the the culture can infiltrate. And there can be concerns. OK, so that someone that come into our midst, maybe that would be Hispanic or someone that would be coming, that would be uh, black or be uh, Asian might wonder, are they are they really welcome? Are, Are they really going to be accepted on a equal plane? So here we find that the murmuring and complaining is not against the Apostles. And not even against those that are in charge of the meals, but it's actually now creating a uh, war almost between these uh, Hellenistic and Hebrew uh, ancestral Jews. The fourth factor that led to the establishment of the deacons, was to free up the apostles to do their work. Acts chapter 6, verse 2, And the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. So the, the apostles said, We don't really want to deal with this. We don't want to be responsible for this. We don't want to take over the ministry of feeding the widows. Not that that wasn't important, but it just wasn't what the apostles were to do. And so they said in verse three, "Select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and of wisdom, who we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word." So these deacons were to take on the responsibility then of physically caring for the widows. Later on in Timothy. When we have the deaconate fully established, we see that that is one of their main responsibilities is to care for the widows. And it is one of the main responsibilities, not the only responsibility to be sure, but it is one of the main responsibilities of, of our deacons as well in the life of the church. We find that uh, in the word of God, there are two offices. There are elders and there are deacons. And the primary responsibility of the elders is to teach and to rule the primary responsibility of the deacons is to minister and to serve to the needs, uh, the physical needs of the congregation. We might say that the elders are concerned about the spiritual needs and the deacons are concerned about the physical needs. Now, those are not to be complete dichotomies. Uh, They are not that the elders are not to be concerned about the physical needs or that the deacons are not concerned about the spiritual needs, but it's one of emphasis. It's one of, of, of primary service and ministry. So the primary ministry at this point of these deacons is going to be to feed the widows. Let's look at the requirement of the early deacons. Uh, here we have a sketch. If you really want to see the, the full-blown requirements, we would turn to Timothy. But we are going to just stay in this passage and look at the initial uh, qualifications That were sought for these individuals that were going to uh, serve these meals to the uh, widows. And we might be surprised, perhaps, at the qualities that were sought. First, those chosen to be deacons had to be respected. Notice it says in verse 3 seven men of good reputation, good reputation, literally, Translated, it would mean a good witness. These were to be people that were to be seen as consistent in life with their profession of faith. People who were known not just to be Christians, but as Christians they were honorable. And as Christians they were, in fact, living a life that was in keeping with their profession. That was going to be important in Solving this dispute between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebrew Jews. These had to be people that would be looked up to. That would be accepted by both sides, if you will. That people would view them as being fair and honest and forthright and caring. So that all peoples would be satisfied that when these individuals took over this ministry, that in fact indeed would solve a problem. They, they would be convinced that this now was going to be overcome. The second characteristic was that they were to be godly. For it says, full of the Spirit. They had to be people who evidenced the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They had to be people of character. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those characteristics were to uh, be flowing out of these individuals. They had to be viewed as being compassionate, being caring, uh, being concerned. The next uh, characteristic was that they were to be wise. Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Full of the spirit and of wisdom. And of wisdom. They had to know how to carry out the work that was entrusted to them. But... Much more than that, much more than that, they had to know how to interact with these individuals. They were stepping into a storm. Uh, This wasn't the, the easiest responsibility to take on in the early church because there's already people that are murmuring. And again, a very strong word about speaking against people and now they're going to have to go and they're going to have to go to these widows that were neglected and the church was in the wrong for neglecting them so they're going to have to go and they're going to have to apologize and they're they're going to have to reassure them it's not because they were hellenistic Uh, it's simply the church is growing and and you have to understand that these things happen Uh, they had to know how to put salve on the wounds They had to know how to interact with the two groups, these Hellenistic and Hebrew Jews. And and so they needed a great deal of wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, And certainly that carries on today. Uh, One of the things that the deacons do is they do a lot of visitation. And they meet uh, a lot of needs in the church. And I'm sure, though I don't hear it, though they don't come back, And tell me about it. I am sure they hear people gripe. (laughs) I'm sure they hear people complain about certain things in the life of the church. Because that's human nature. And to have the wisdom to know how to respond to those gripes and complaints in such a way that you are demonstrating encouragement, putting out the fires, not stoking them, not... uh, raising up more and more issues in the church, but trying to seek to satisfy people that their concerns, though real, are to be um, satisfied. Okay, so that in this instance, in particular, it was, you are not being discriminated against. You're not being discriminated against. It's not because... We don't want you. It's not because we don't care about you. It's not because you're a Hellenistic Jew. It's just because things got out of control. The church has grown. And I would submit to you that probably the language barrier was a part of, of the difficulty. You know, uh, if announcements are being made, you know, think about it. And, and just reality of life. Uh, If announcements are being made, if if things are being said and some people are sitting there not picking up on what it is, if it's said in Hebrew and it's not said in Greek, um, it's going to go over their heads. They're going to miss out. They're not going to know where to go, what to do. Uh, I don't know the framework they had for for doing this, but I can easily see in the context of, of how something like this could happen in a way that was not intended in any way to be a dismissal or a rebuke of of others so they had to be wise because they had to solve all those problems logistically spiritually emotionally uh, that was their their duty so in acts chapter 6 it says select from among you brethren seven men of good reputation how that selection process actually was undertaken, we're not told. We don't know what they did. I can tell you what we do. And that is we have a, a nominating committee. Uh, I chair it. It's comprised of myself and uh, uh, three elders and uh, two non-elders. And uh, we are responsible for nominating Individuals to serve in all of the uh, offices and capacities of the life of the church. And then the names of elders and deacons and Sunday school superintendents, etc., etc., are brought to our congregation. And at a congregational meeting, we vote. On the elders and deacons, we vote to ratify, which means that we don't run deacons against each other. We don't list five... People and say, choose three, uh, but we just put up a name, or two names, or three names, but uh, they're not running against each other. What we ask the congregation to do is simply affirm or not affirm. Say yes or no. Do you believe this brother should be a, a deacon? Do you believe this brother should be an elder? Say yes or say no. And uh, based on that approval of the congregation, uh, then that individual the uh, election has been ratified and they are uh, installed as a deacon. So our brother Daryl went through that process and the congregation indeed did vote uh, to uh, have him be an, a deacon. And so he is going to be a deacon. But this word select is an interesting word for it does tell us that they were to investigate. Investigate. They, they were to know these individuals. They were to take time to make sure that these individuals were, in fact, the quality and the character that is depicted here, namely that they are wise, full of the spirit, godly, people of good reputation. They were to take whatever steps were necessary to assure that reality. So it should not be entered in quickly or uh, hurriedly, or taken lightly. And I can assure you that we don't take it lightly either. Next is the church's response to establishing the early deacons. First, the plan to have deacons was well received, verse 5. And the statement found approval with the whole congregation. That's important. That Everyone was happy with the solution. That's the first step in bringing reconciliation to these two groups. Both the Hellenistic Jews and Hebrew Jews said, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good idea. That's a good plan. Uh, they embraced it. They accepted it. They welcomed it. Next, the deacons were chosen. And the statement found approval with the whole congregation And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. So here are seven individuals. What I find here to be interesting is number one, all seven of these individuals. Have Greek names. So they would have all been Hellenistic Jews. That says to me a great deal of sensitivity. This was the problem. The problem was the Hellenistic widows were being overlooked. So what are we going to do? We're going to put seven Hellenistic Jews in charge of this. So that says a great deal of sensitivity. That also says a great deal of humility and trust by the Hebrew Jews. That they're not saying, well, we we better have four and three here, or we better make sure our interests are maintained, or a fear that these individuals are going to go and they're going to just create more strife, (laughs) because they're going to go and they're going to feed this, and there's going to be more complaining against the Hebrew Jews. There's a lot of trust going on here. In this passage, Uh, it is really wonderful to see what God is doing and how the early church is responding to this this situation. And so the uh, graciousness is extended. The deacons were chosen. And then next, the deacons were installed. Verse five. And these they brought before the apostles. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. The laying of the hands by the apostles was not something magical or mystical. It was purely symbolic in nature. It was a way of visually uh, passing on or transferring responsibility and authority to someone else. It was a way to say they have our blessing. They have... The responsibility. Remember the the elder, the apostle said we don't want to give up the word of God in order to serve tables. But yet it all ultimately fell under the apostle's responsibility. And so here the apostle is saying we delegate. We give them that authority. They are acting in our behalf. And so this morning we are going to do likewise. We're going to have our elders come. And they're going to lay their hands because the ultimate ruling body in the life of our church is the board of elders. They oversee all aspects of the life of our church. And the diaconate, you see, is really helping the board of elders in a very important aspect of the life of the church. And that is in caring for uh, the physical and emotional needs of our congregation. And so they are entrusting them with that responsibility and with that entrustment comes not only responsibility but authority and so they're able to act they're able to make decisions and our deacons have many areas of oversight in the life of our of our church and that has been delegated to them that is their area where they function and make those decisions that's what occurred in the early church Fourthly, the results of having established the uh, early deacons. So, how did all this turn out? Well, first, was that the apostles were able to continue their work. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and the word of God kept on spreading. The word of God kept on spreading. Remember, in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles said, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. This wasn't just the apostles trying to get out of work. <laughs> this wasn't just the apostles being lazy and saying, well, you know, uh, I think we're doing enough. It's time to find somebody else. No, no, it was a sincere, a sincere uh, aspect of the life of the church that the apostles were going to give themselves to the ministry of the word and the deacons were going to take care of this responsibility and, and meet the needs of the, of the widows. Um, I can't tell you how important it is to have diversified roles in the life of the church if the church is going to go forward. Um, in a very, very small church, you think of a church plant. You think of a church when it starts out. Many times the pastor does almost everything in the life of the church when there's five, ten people. Okay. That can only last so long. The pastor can only do so much. Uh, Better find elders real fast to delegate some of those responsibilities for ruling and teaching in the life of the church. And uh, certainly we have a wonderful group of elders, uh, a large group of of elders, and they do provide the oversight in the life of our church. They chair our uh, committees. They're responsible for uh, a lot of different ministries in the life of our church. In fact, it's difficult for some people when they first come to our church to get used to the fact. Don't come up to me and say, Pastor, we think we ought to do this or that. And I will direct them to one of our elders who is responsible for that. I make very few decisions in the life of our church. Um, that's what our our elders do. But our elders can't do it all either. And we need deacons. And they are very, very important uh, in uh, uh, caring for our widows. Not just the widows, but uh, other shut-ins. Uh, they have uh, ministries not only to our own church, but they're the ones that take care of uh, people that come uh, looking for uh, food, uh, have uh, have uh, various needs. Uh, they are responsible for uh, they, they provide people with <laughs> walkers and, and all kinds of things. The deacon has been very helpful to me this past year. They... they are you, I can't speak highly enough of our deacons. And, and one of the things that I, I feel bad about is it's not a glory position. It's not upfront. Our deacons are extremely active. But unless you are receiving their care, you don't know it. Because they're private. And that's really the way it should be. Uh, the scripture says, let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, you know, the, the, the deacons are responsible. They're, they're really, really good. But, but as elders, we don't even know half the time what the deacons are doing because they keep it private as they're ministering to individuals. You can be assured if you're receiving help. It's not going to be shouted. You're not going to be humiliated. Uh, you're not going to be talked about uh, Our congregation doesn't realize the quality of our, of our deacons. They're doing a fantastic job. And one of the ways that you know that is we have unity and peace in the life of the church. And just as we see that the deacon that was responsible for that unity and that peace, uh, our deacons, they know, they're wise, they, they know how to respond to people's needs. They know how to help people when they feel neglected, overlooked, uh, uncared for. Uh, that is an area where they spend so much time. And uh, I just want to publicly thank our deacons, you're uh, doing an outstanding job. So the second result was that the church was able to continue to grow. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. So they overcame their, their limitations and the church was able to increase. The third result was that the Jewish community was being reached. And the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And then this next phrase, which might seem odd, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. How does that fit in? great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Um, remember that the priests would have been the Hebraic Jews. They would have been the Hebrew-speaking Jews. They would have been the people that could read the Old Testament scriptures in the original Hebrew. They were impressed. As they looked at the church, is they looked at their ministering brethren and saw the changes that were taking place in their, in their lives. The sociological barriers that were breaking down. That these Hellenistic and Hebrew-speaking Jews that for centuries were alienated from each other, now coming together. And it was a great witness to the, the priests and as a result, the word of God was was spreading. Um, it's a wonderful testimony in the life of the church to see people of different sociological backgrounds uh, worshiping together. I, I talked about, about race. I talked about ethnicity. Gender issues are also true, male and female. I'm thankful we have a lot of men and women in our congregation today. But you know the other is... Uh, and let me just kind of go off on a tangent here. Because the, the modern approach to church growth and church life is to have homogeneous groups. Identify a group of people and seek to reach them. So we're going to reach the 30-somethings. And and the congregation is going to be made up of 30-somethings. And then everything is is focused on doing that. Or, we're going to start an Hispanic work. Or, we're going to start a black work. Or, we're going to start an Asian work. Or, we're going to have this, or we're going to have that. One of the great witnesses to the redeeming work of God is when you can have a group of people together of all kinds of ethnic backgrounds, all kinds of diversity, men and women, young and old, and rich and poor. Rich and poor. Here were these widows that that needed these meals on a daily basis. They had they had nothing. And they were welcomed And they were cared for. And they were honored. We should welcome the poor in our midst. And we should not make them feel like second class citizens because they are poor. And if you are one this morning that the deacons have helped. There's no shame in that. There is no shame in letting your needs know. Please don't suffer quietly. If you have a need, we want to know about it. And it's not a reproach to you. Diversity should be celebrated in the truest and greatest sense of that word, not just in the political correctness of today's society. The fourth result was that Stephen Blossom, Look at verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. And then it goes on to talk about the work that Stephen did. And Stephen is doing a whole lot more than just serving tables. And God is using him immensely. And Stephen becomes the first martyr in the church. Uh, Deacons are not second-class citizens spiritually. Uh, We're talking about a difference in gift. We're not talking about a difference in ability or a difference in relationship with God between a deacon and an elder, they are equal. They're equal. There's no hierarchy there in the sight of God. They're just different functions, different roles, different gifts. And Stephen is used mightily. And I pray that through this process that that Daryl would be used even more in the life of our church than he is now, and that He will continue to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, God's blessing upon him and upon our deacons and the life of the church. So at this time, we're going to install Daryl's deacon. I'm going to ask Daryl to come forward. And if you would kind of just uh, stand right down here in front, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Daryl. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and conduct? Yes. Do you accept the position, position of deacon in the congregation and promise faithfully to perform this ministry of service? Yes. And do you re- promise to promote the purity, peace, and unity of the church? Yes. You see why that last line is in there? Do you promise to promote the peace, the purity, and unity of the church? It flows out of this passage. It flows out of this biblical concept of what a deacon does. To you as a congregation, do you, the members of the church, acknowledge and receive this brother as a deacon? Yeah. Do you promise to give him all the honor, encouragement, and support in the Lord to which this position entitles him? Thank you. This time we're going to ask you know, if you'd come up forward. I'm going to ask our elders if you would come forward. And as is the biblical example, our elders are going to lay hands on them. Again, nothing mystical, but as the elders um, delegating this authority uh, to our brother. So if you would kneel there, let's just gather around and make a complete circle around them. If you can't uh, reach there, you can put your hand or shoulder on each other, uh, whatever the case may be. And uh, our brother is going to uh, begin to pray.